Welcome to my podcast, Aging with Grace, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This series provides useful tips, not only for taking care of yourself, family, and friends, but also how to enjoy life more abundantly than many even thought possible for people ages 55, 65, 75, and beyond. Some of our guests are doing what many listeners only dream about or maybe even never thought possible. So relax, enjoy their stories on this unique lifestyle podcast, and be prepared to share your own along with hearing useful tips and vital information for everyone aging with grace. This episode features part one of a two-part interview with Kenya Whitfield on critical services provided by Hospice Health, which is one of the top 20 largest not-for-profit community-based hospice and palliative care providers in the United States. Then we have uh, Charlotte Whitaker and her travel adventures with seniors average age of 70 years young at heart. And finally, this segment concludes with a story about a woman with a rolling pin and a dream who, over time, created a pie-baking enterprise that years later was purchased by a conglomerate for $90 million. That's right, listeners, $90 million. Before I, as I uh, introduce our next guest, uh, and for listeners to Aging with Grace, as you know, this podcast attacks rampant ageism. That's what we're pushing. Uh, that's what this whole program, this whole series, courtesy of uh, our collaboration with Kentucky Chapter AARP, is being produced for baby boomers. You know, we're looking for upbeat seniors who want to enjoy life at age 55 and beyond. And while all that sounds good, while we are each one of us enjoying our journey, as we continue to progress on this uh, journey of life, with positives and negatives, I don't want to be a downer, but I need to say that life is a terminal experience. No one gets out alive. It may come as a shock to some, may come as a revelation to others, and may come as an affirmation for others, depending on where you are. But at the end of the day, life is a terminal experience. No one gets out alive. And again, that's not meant as a downer, but just a friendly nudge that... Um, no matter how good things may or may not be for you right now, they will come to an end. And we can have some degree of control in the final analysis, a, minu- a minute amount of control, but there are options. And I think our program, Aging with Grace, would be remiss if we did not discuss some of those options for exiting not only living life, Grace, but also exiting life as gracefully as possible. And with that introduction, I'd like to uh, introduce my next guest for this segment, uh, Kenya Whitfield. Uh, Kenya Whitfield is with Hospice, and uh, it's a, a, quite an impressive uh, background from Kenya. She's been there for a number of years, and she is the Director of Physician Relations. I'd like to say uh, welcome to Aging with Grace, Kenya. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, in terms of the research on hospice uh, and hospice, uh, I'd like to maybe start off with some basic uh, definitions. Maybe let's start first with some history 
uh-huh. in terms of um, modern day hospice. I understand that came into being in 1967 in London, and then around 74, 78, it was introduced in the United States. Is that about right? That is correct. And I actually um, teased them at work because Hospice, our organization, is the same age as me. We are both 42 years old, both from 1978. <laughs> <laughs> and you are aging with grace, if you admitted that I so am. freely. That just flowed, Kenya. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's it's been around. And what was life like? Um, I, I would say, what was life like before Kenya? But we won't go there. We'll say, what was <laughs> <Okay>. life <laughs> But what we will say is, um, what was life like for the American family uh, prior to the advent of uh, hospice health? Uh, I, you know, I, that's why I was so happy that they actually, you know, invented hospice care, because prior to that, families had nowhere to turn to um, when they were facing, you know, a serious illness. I think most families felt alone because this is not something that you deal with on a daily basis or actually can prepare for. And so um, Cicely Dane Saunders was actually the founder of the whole hospice movement. And she saw a need for this because she saw so many families were left behind. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. And so from that need, she developed hospice care. And we are so happy that she did because we have been able to help so many families and actually just point them in the right direction, be that extra layer of support. And I just really don't know what we would do without hospice care in the world. Well, you know, I um, some of the information uh, that you've given me, uh, what you have about uh, each year, about 8,400 patients, and you have mm-hmm. a wide footprint. I imagine, what would those families do without you either? So talk a little bit about your patients and your footprint and your service area. Correct. So when I started Hospice, um, we only, at the time, serviced 33 counties. But since then, we have expanded And we now cover 41 counties. So um, we go as far as Jefferson, Oldham, Trimble, Henry, to Green River, Adair, Barron River, um, Orange County, Pike. And just we're trying to touch every area of Kentucky and Indiana. Mm -hmm. And um, go ahead. Okay, And and also, too, we are now one of the top 20 largest nonprofit hospices because we have expanded to so many areas and taken care of so many patients. Um, We've cared for this year alone 8,400 patients, which it equals to 1,200 per day. 1,200 per day. 1,200 per day, which is a lot of patients. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to get into the uh, services that you provide for those 1,200 patients a day, which is very Mm -hmm. um, impressive. But um, in terms of definitions, um, my understanding is that hospice does not prolong life or hasten death, and hospice care is to relieve symptoms and keep the patient comfortable while allowing death to occur naturally. Can you kind of uh, dig into that and confirm that definition a little bit? The difference between hospice versus hospice? And actually, the difference between hospice and hospice, hospice, I'm sorry, I get that question on a daily basis they are actually the same thing. So hospice care does mean hospice, but what we decided as a company, hospice means we got our guests. We wanted a more pleasant way of describing hospice care. And I think at times it confuses people because they'll ask me, they'll be like, well, Kenya, so what is hospice and what's hospice? And I said, 
actually they're the same thing. Um, it's actually hospice care, just a, a, a more, you know, calmer and um, appealing way to say it. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to market and tell people that what hospice means, but um, for us hospice care, um, we take care of patients who have like a serious illness. Um, usually it's a diagnosis of six months or less. And uh, once you get that diagnosis, you can get the referral from your doctor. Um, and then we, in turn, they call hospice. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of getting a diagnosis of possible mm-hmm. death within the next six months, it doesn't necessarily mean the patient is going to die in that time frame. It simply means that he or she has a condition that makes dying a realistic possibility, which means then that some people could also be discharged from hospice. Is that correct? That's correct. And we've seen that a lot of times. I actually call them my graduates. Um, A lot of times once patients get on services and we get their pain under control or whatever it is that they're dealing with, some actually do get better. Some symptoms do improve and they are able to graduate from services. So I think, and that's why I tell people too, like one of our taglines, the earlier you call, the more we can help. Because when you get in there earlier, we are able to attack those symptoms. We're able to wrap our hands around the family and do more things as opposed to when we come, you know, in the last minute or not the beginning of the, not the beginning of the diagnosis. Trust you enjoy listening to Kenya Whitfield. She's the community outreach manager for Hospice. Be sure to listen to part two of our interview on the next edition of Aging with Grace. My next guest, Charlotte Whitaker, is a tireless advocate for aging well and with purpose in Kentucky. She has testified and lobbied before members of Congress and the state legislature in support of increased funding for various aging initiatives, including reauthorization of the Older Americans Act. Ms. Whitaker continues to advocate proven policy solutions, enabling all persons to age with dignity and an improved quality of life. Charlotte Whitaker's outstanding contributions to the Commonwealth earn her the highest AARP Volunteer Award, the 2012 Andrus Award for Community Service. In this segment of Aging with Grace, Charlotte shares her passion for traveling, including organizing trips for a group of seniors she affectionately calls her no-goes, slow-goes, and go-goes with an average age of 70 years young at heart. Trust you enjoy the following interview featuring Miss Whitaker as much as I did. Well, you touched on something which is uh, takes us, which is a perfect segue at this point. I'm enjoying the uh, reminiscing with you, and uh, I'm uh, encouraging our listeners who also have great stories to share, like Charlotte does, to please send them to me, uh, Dale at awg55.com. As we're enjoying, as we're enjoying our conversation with uh, Charlotte Whitaker. Um, Charlotte, talk to me about travel. You mentioned it, uh, that you enjoy traveling. You said travel like me. And I understand that you have created a uh, little travel group, shall we say. We, uh, th- down through the years, I have been able and honored to travel with so many seniors in our area. Uh, I guess uh, the, first, the tri- first trip I took as a group was the, 
the uh, World's Fair in 1882 in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, just had a great time. Two buses, I think. And in 1982, was, you said, in, in Knoxville? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that was probably the first first uh, overnight adventure, let's put it like that. We did a lot of day trips, you know, but, but uh, it's just amazing. I know one lady... Um, tell me that she sold a cow one time to go on one of the trips to Washington Aww. to pay her way, you know. <laughs> and, and then children would start giving their parents um, these trips as a Christmas present, mm -hmm. you know. And I think I shared with you, you know, I always said I took care of the no-goes, the slow-goes, and the go-goes. I love that I slogan. <laughs> <laughs> because I administered the Title III federal um Older Americans grant for our, our county. So that meant the home delivered meals and in-home services and those type things. And then we had the senior center where people would come and we'd have activities. And uh, I did a grand grandparents camp one year and they got to bring their grandchildren and we cooked and we wrote, had bicycle safety and all those things. And, but then, um, then I had the go-go's, the ones that, you know, didn't need a meal they really didn't want to come to senior center, but they liked to travel. So, um, you know, I took the hundred in 1984. I took a hundred to Hawaii, got a fantastic price. Wow. $20 <laughs> went to Hawaii, um, had the punch bowl, the city tour, and I included a luau. And if oh. that was not a hoot, you know, uh, I, I've lived in a dry County to up to three years ago. So to have the Mai Tais was a real treat for some people. <laughs> they probably enjoyed them coming, going, and made sure they had as much as they could while they were there. And, and we had a, you know, we had a, a slogan, what happens in Hawaii stays in Hawaii. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, just to see them, you know, number one, enjoy their money. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't take it with you. Right. So just enjoy it and and go and, and make memories because I go to the nursing homes now and, you know, they'll say, Oh, do you remember when you took me to see the ocean for the first time? Mm. You know, it's, you know, we have people who hadn't even been to Mammoth Cave here, you wow. know, and, uh, but the Hawaii trip was interesting because we had folks from my County, you know, we don't have an escalator in my County. We have a couple elevators, not too many, but mm -hmm. you know, these people had never been on an escalator, let alone a, 747. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we made, we not only made memories, we made history on that trip. <laughs> well, well, you know, in our, uh, one of our uh, previous conversations, you mentioned a funny story I'd like for you to share with our listeners about a young lady um, on the plane with you going to Hawaii and uh, the, the flight attendant came back and said, Miss Whitaker. And can you take the story from there, Charlotte? Yes, she said, one of our our, uh, our our friends was needed to talk to me, and my first thought was perhaps she wasn't feeling well, and so I trotted up the aisle to, to visit with her, and and her name was Miss Eunice, and I said, Miss Eunice, are you okay? And she said, Oh, I'm fine. She said, Can I roll that window down and touch that cloud? <laughs> and to this day, when I fly and I see those puppy puffy clouds that we all see that we think yeah. looks like cotton candy. Yeah. I, I 
I roll the window down and touch that cloud. Oh, that's a great story. That's a great story. And I imagine um, you probably have a few other stories, maybe just a couple of highlights. Okay, first of all, let's start off with destinations that you have gone to, uh, Hawaii, obviously the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. Where else? Well, we took a, a trip to, um, we flew to Boston and then took a bus up to Quebec. And we actually ate at a hotel where the queen eats sometimes. Mm. So we had lots of pretty china and lots of pretty silver. And, um, you know, it was, and it was like, Charlotte, which fort do I use? You know, we kind of <laughs> did. I said, you all just watch me and we'll all be just fine. You know, oh. and we were, you know, nobody, no, everybody was just fine. And then, we practiced getting on the subway there in Quebec. Um, I speak very little French, and most of them did not know any French. So I, was, I had a fear of maybe someone not getting on that subway. So we, we, we practiced. We lined up in rows of eight, and you know, I would say go and stop. And just to make sure everybody knew, they had to move fairly quickly to get on that subway because it was not going to wait for us. We, right. We were a visitor, and we had to get on there fairly quickly, and and we did. We just we had a great time, and and just uh, enjoyed being out of the country a little bit. So. Well, that's exciting. And I guess for uh, travelers, uh, again, my program, Aging with Grace, we're looking at a span of lot, uh, all the way 55, 65, 75, 85, and beyond. Um, and I guess in preparation for more mature travelers, are there certain things that you think they need to do in preparing for a trip? We would always have a pre-travel meeting. Usually we bring our travel agent in uh, and just to make sure they, you know, number one, uh, don't put your medicine in your suitcase. You know, number two, take perhaps take an extra set of glasses with you. We also talked about uh, cash. If you needed cash, um, you know, I was all, nobody needs to do a shoulder bag when you're traveling. And I really didn't like the name tags because it just said, oh, I'm a traveler. I'm a That's visitor. Like, right. It's like a flag, like to come it's do something to me, like a beacon. Yeah. Like a beacon. So, you know, those things just uh, are kind of, you know, we talked about safety tips because mm -hmm. you can't be safe enough. You know, and I don't think 10 years ago was probably as bad as it is now as far as being careful. But there's just, you know, I was very fortunate. I never had to leave anyone in the hospital. And, um, you know, and they would always say, you know, your trips are different than my kids' trips. Well, we traveled at a slower pace. Mm. We stopped. We rested. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm an early bird, but I go to bed early. So yeah. that was. Kind of the, you know, most of them were like that too. You know, we we wind down about seven, give them, you know, after dinner, and, and uh, sometimes we come together and just share our our, um, our stories. I encourage them to journal. I think that's uh, special to be able to go back and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when we go to Washington, I'd always call our congressman at the, at the time, and they will always meet us on the steps of the Capitol and have their pictures made with us because, you know, seniors do vote. Yes. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so speaking of seniors and your group, what's the average age, would you say, for your uh, for your group? No goes, flow goes, or go goes? Uh, well, you know, it's 
I would say now it's <laughs> closer to 70, but you know, on the white trip, I had two in their 90s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have to admire them. I mean, Absolutely. They to a land they've never been to. It's like getting on a boat in, yeah. in England in 1600 and head to the new country, you yeah. know. And, uh, but, um, you know, I think younger, you know, younger people are traveling. Charlotte, this has been absolutely wonderful uh, spending some time with you on my program. Um, and I'd like to, um, pending your, your permission, of course, I'd like to bring you back and talk a little bit more about your family history and something called a mad stone, which we're not going to spoil it for our listeners right now, but would you be willing to come back and share some more on aging with grace? I, I would be more than happy to, and we might bring in a new ancestor. I found Austin Carter. He's down in Murray. He may join our call and, and uh, he's done a, a terribly amount of research, uh, to pull this together, you know, and it's, um, Fortunately, it's in a museum in Owensboro now and protected. And mm-hmm. I just to uh, think about how many saddle bags that yes. have been in, how yes. it came over on the ship in the 1600s. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Well, that's a great tease. And again, uh, thank you so much, uh, folks. You've been listening to Charlotte Whitaker who is an advocate for aging well and with purpose in Kentucky. And as hopefully you've heard, service to others is in Charlotte's DNA. And she is an exceptional example of how those who are aging with grace can use a lifetime of experience to improve the quality of life in their community. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Till next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Listeners to uh, Aging with Grace, over time, you understand or you've come to learn that I like bad jokes, I like puns, and I like factoids. Listeners are encouraged to share any or all three by sending them to me, Dale, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. Or you can also post it on my website, which is awg55.com. And now... For the first bad joke, uh, I really like this one. So, are you ready for this? What do you call 2,000 tons of Chinese soup? What do you call 2,000 tons of Chinese soup? Wonton. Wonton? You get it? (laughs) I think that's funny. (laughs) Okay, uh, moving on. Here's another one for you. A woman went to the meat department of the supermarket and asked the butcher for a roaster. As it turned out, it was the last one. When he presented it to her, she said, Do you have one that's um, a little larger? Not wanting to lose the sale, the butcher said, Sure. Went back into the back room, out of view. And after a few moments, he came out with the very same chicken. The woman said, encouraged by the size, looks good, but how about one with a little more meat on it? No problem, answered the butcher. He went back in the back again, stalled for a few seconds, maybe counted to 20, and came out with the same chicken for the third time. Great, said the woman. I'll take all three. (laughs) That poor butcher. But uh, anyway, I love that kind of stuff. And I also love factoids. So as we're heading to our next story, 
here are some interesting factoids about uh, in the history of baking according to this Baking Times. Seems the world's oldest oven, around 6,500 years old, was discovered in Croatia in 2014. Bread baking began in ancient Greece around 600 BC, and Egyptians were pioneers in baking, and traces of their baking from Egypt are as old as 2600 BC. Lots of history, lots of factoids, lots of of, uh, bad jokes. That's part of what Aging with Grace is as we commit, commit or as we uh, create community. And now also part of Aging with Grace, because you're probably wondering, where was this going with the supermarket? Why the bad joke about wonton soup, which still cracks me up. You're probably wondering where all that was going, right? Well, I was setting the table. You get it? I was setting the table for a serving. On my next story, which is uh, about Marie Callender. Yeah, that same Marie Callender. You've seen her in the uh, grocery store aisles. Marie Callender was making potato salad and coleslaw in a delicatessen in Los Angeles during World War II. Then one day, her boss asked her to make pies for the lunch crowd. And guess what, folks? Yes. That was the start of a new career for Marie Callender. At first, she baked her pies at home, dragging 100-pound flour sacks into her kitchen. Then in 1948, she and her husband sold their car and bought a Quonset hut, an oven, and a refrigerator, which became her first commercial kitchen. Marie baked pies that her husband delivered to restaurants in the area. She began by baking about 10 pies a day. Two years later, she was baking more than 200 pies a day. 16 years later, several thousand pies were coming out of her oven each and every day. Marie and her husband opened their first pie shop in Orange County, California in 1964. As with most businesses, as with most ventures, they barely broke even that year. But then, over time, committed to an idea, her husband and later her son guided the business to a roaring, soaring success. Other items were added to the menu, and by 1986, Ramada Inns bought the Marie Callender family business, which at that time had grown to 115 restaurants, bought the whole shooting shoot came back from Marie and her son for $90 million. So as we conclude this portion of this uh, of Aging with Grace, Think about this, folks. Here's the challenge. If a young mother with a rolling pin and sack of flour could give rise to an empire, think what other opportunities await those who respond with hard work and a better recipe. No matter what's facing you, no matter what the challenge is, no matter who or what has come before, perhaps maybe even already done it, it really doesn't matter. 
because it can be yours. Success can be yours no matter your age if you will respond with hard work and a better recipe for whatever's facing you today and tomorrow. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to listen to my podcast, Aging with Grace 55 Plus, presented in collaboration with Kentucky Chapter AARP. Keep in mind, aging is a lifelong process that if you choose to see new possibilities, you will find them every day. Aging is not a time of diminishment, but applying lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to me, dale at awg55.com by email, or visit our website, awg55.com. And now for a last thought for the day, good habits make time your ally, bad habits make time your enemy. So until next time, this has been Dale Josie, host of Aging with Grace. Thank you.